0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Howson. And I'm James Marriott. Welcome to our new show. Here we are. Yay! Uh, we're going to be here every Friday for an in-depth look at all matters Sheffield Wednesday. Later on, we will hear from Steve Bruce and also Adam Reach ahead of um, a pretty busy week, actually, S6. Three home games in barely over a week. Um, we're going to be hearing from Steve Bruce every week. Um, and a bit later on, we're going to be asking for your views in our opinions. More on that a little bit later on. Um, now, we both kind of know there's already a healthy amount of Wednesday podcasts out there. There's uh, a few different things to pick from, and must confess I'm guilty for probably half of them. Our aim with this show is to do something that's a little bit different, whereby we're kind of really focusing on the... Football. That's kind of what this is all about. It's about talking about what's happening with Sheffield Wednesday. And on that note, I think we just get the heck on with it and we talk about Saturday's two-all draw at Rotherham. Dom, what did you make of it?
1: First half, uh, I thought Wednesday they started well. It was a bright start, and then I, I I sort of agree with Steve Bruce's assessment of where I thought they lost their way, and that they were lucky to go ahead. Great play from Adam Reach and uh, yeah for Fernando Froscheri's opener, but um, yeah, I, I, I just thought it was a bit scratchy. You know, they were looking. You know, that Rotherham, uh, They missed a couple of glorious chances yeah. to get, to take the lead. You know, the save from Kieran Westwood from John Taylor, and then that Michael Smith one uh, where he's he's put it wide, and uh, yeah, I, I just I never really felt that Wednesday had total control. Um, of of the midfield battle, and, and I, f- I thought they lost actually just a lot of second balls throughout, and I thought that they struggled with Rotherham's physicality, um, and uh, you know I, I thought that you know, there was more energy about Rotherham, and they went after yep. uh, Wednesday, and they put them under pressure, and uh, and they forced mistakes out of them, and you know, Michael Hector had probably yep. his worst you know, game in a Wednesday shirt, or certainly for a couple of months, uh, you know under. The new management. And um, in the end it was definitely a point gained. But it yeah, I, I think that Wednesday would be disappointed with three draws in a row against teams down there at the bottom. I think they'd have yeah. targeted a better, you know, a healthier points return than what they ended up with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we've talked a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, haven't we, about what we'd expect from this little run of games and the the, the reality is not really matched that. Um, Yeah, first half I thought was, the whole game I thought was quite odd. It was was just an odd game. It didn't really kind of follow any particular pattern because, and I mean this with, with, with some respect, Rotherham aren't actually very good. You know, technically, they're not a particularly good team. And I think what happened on Saturday is that Wednesday just never really got going, and that allowed Rotherham, particularly in the first half, just some some real chances. If if Rotherham were a team that could finish, you know, we, they, they could well have been out of sight in that game by um, by half time. And and I think it it was probably a combination of their finishing being really poor and also us just not quite being at the um, at the races. Um, things that I kind of forgot happening. Um, Adam Reach actually hit the post in the first half, didn't he? Yes, almost like a forgotten thing that you forget that that um, that that happened. Well,
1: that was it. It was against the run of play, wasn't it? And then yeah. okay, a couple of minutes later, Forestieri scores, uh, but that that was it. Uh, you know, there was a great atmosphere inside the ground, and Rotherham were up for it, and they are like, fighting for their lives. And why don't you say I agree that they're down there for a reason, which is they lack quality, yeah, especially in that final third, and w- where I think Michael Smith. Uh, He's an underrated player in this league, but, uh, yeah, again, he's, he's finishing. Uh, yeah, he should have probably, with the chances he's had, of what I've seen over the last couple of months, you know, he should be well into double figures. Uh, but, you know, he's fl- you know, he fluffs his lines in front of goal, and that's the reason why he's playing for Rotherham. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I just think that Wednesday, you know, it was a step backwards after looking so defensively strong in the last couple of months. Yeah. The amount of chances that they gave away, I thought was, uh, yeah, it was disappointing. And yeah, they've got to, got to quickly tighten up now for the next three home games coming up.
0: Absolutely. I mean, conceding to Rotherham with some of the games that we've got ahead is, um, is, it's a worry and it's not a worry, is it? Because it was, it was a real off day. It was just a bad day, and and you know, lots of things went wrong. Um, I think you're quite right in in mentioning um, Michael Hector. We talked last week, and we said you know michael hector is one of those players he, he's great most of the time but he just seems to have the odd moment where he just forgets that he's a footballer or something and he's got that mistake in him and we've seen it a couple of times but i think it was the first time where we we kind of saw it consistently across um probably an entire game i mean first half i thought he was particularly just not quite he just didn't seem up, to, up with the game um he um just yeah I, it, th- there's two things that um i thought were quite kind of redeeming for Michael Hector. There was a point at some point, I think in the second half... Uh, where the ball went out for a throw-in or something and he absolutely leathered it against the advertising board. Like, he knew he was having a bad game mm. and he was angry about it. He was annoyed at himself. Um, and I kind of think, you know, that doesn't excuse someone from having a, a bad game. I think you know Michael Hector's had enough good games for us to forgive him that anyway. Um, but when, when a player, rather than just kind of, you know, not really caring, the fact that you could tell it was bugging him that he was having a bit of a nightmare, I think that says quite a lot about what kind of a person and what kind of a player Michael Hector is. And the fact that he was very quick on Twitter afterwards to kind of hold his hands up.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought it was refreshing that and yeah. uh, the, you know, that he was holding his hands up and he was honest and he just went that he was nowhere near good enough and yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, you don't get that with um, you know, not all players are like that, not you know, it would be straight away, they wouldn't immediately say that, oh yeah, you know, what we've made a mistake or two here in the game, we had a stinker and uh, yeah I, I think that M- Michael Hector is someone that you know? Again, it's a big last fourteen games for him, isn't it? Really, that he's putting himself in the uh, in the shop window uh, as much as anything. We we don't know where he's going to be next season, uh, and of course the the latest development with uh, yeah. his parent club. Um, Maybe there's a role for him. Well, yeah, quite possibly. You <laughs> just don't know, do you? So, uh, I I, mean, I think what we've seen um, from him in this season since he's come in is that I, I think that yeah, he has a Rick in him. He definitely does, uh, but. Uh, I've seen more encouraging qualities and yeah. positives from him than negatives and so I think you know you can forgive him for having an off day
0: absolutely completely. Uh, right other notes that I made about the game, particularly first half. Uh, Bannon just looking really static in the middle I think he's had kind of two or three games now where he's just looked a bit ordinary it doesn't seem to have quite kind of settled into um, a a kind of a rhythm around him in the middle of the park under Steve Bruce yet Um, and I'm sure that will come with time and and we saw the Millwall game a couple of weeks ago where um, Steve Bruce is trying some new things out and he tried playing Barry Bannon in a different position that didn't really work back into the middle against Rotherham um, and he just seemed to, to me just seemed a bit ineffective first half he seemed a bit immobile seemed a bit static um, and I, I I guess we'll see what happens there that that Steve Bruce is you know he's, he, he spots these things and we'll we'll, we'll kind of see what he uh, what what kind of work he's doing with uh, with Barry Bannon. It's
1: the balance of the midfield, isn't it? It's yeah, just it's, how do you get the best out of them all? Yeah. And Adam Reach has really sort of, since Steve Bruce came in, he's now playing out wide, having yeah. almost been number 10 or in that attacking midfield role uh, earlier on in the season. And that's where he did a lot of damage and scored a number of uh, yeah, his worldies. Yeah. Uh, and he's trying to accommodate or find that system and way of playing to uh, get yeah you know, Barry Bannon who you want to dictate and you see him as that quarterback figure the guy who's going to create you chances from deep uh, and has that vision and the passing range to you know, really get the best out of your forward line uh, but then also you know Adam Reach has got seven goals five assists the productivity you know, from him has been you know, you can't argue with the numbers that you know. Without him, Wednesday would be uh, in big trouble. I would suggest this season he's a key player. So they both are, and that's it's trying to unlock them and, and so that they're consistently playing at that high level. As I would agree with you, that I don't think that Barry Bannon, by
0: his high standards, um, as has produced of late, it's weird that because. You think with having um, Hutchinson playing kind of behind him that it would give Bannon the confidence to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more adventurous and yet... Certainly that first half against Rotherham seemed to be kind of the opposite. There was a Bannon that just wasn't, wasn't really daring to do very much with the, the ball. But it was an off day all, all round him as well. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not singling out Barry Bannon. Um, here's, right, genuinely, I was making a few notes right through the, uh, the Rotherham game. Early kickoff means I, I can't be that drunk by kickoff that, um, <laughs> that I can still kind of make notes. So I was, I was literally writing, Fessy down the middle, does it work? Coming in from the inside might just be his quality and harder to defend against. And as I wrote the word "against," he scored. That is actually how it happened. Um, but I'm not convinced on this Fessy down the middle thing. I, I I can understand why Steve Bruce has done it from from a psychological point of view. He wants to get Fernando Forestieri on side. He wants to get a, a Fernando Forestieri that's enjoying his football. Um, that. Can become a spine of the team again, which he hasn't been for probably two seasons. Um, but I, I, if if I'm honest, I thought it was it was just a bit predictable on on Saturday, and whether or not we said it was an off day for the entire team, that that may play a, a real role in 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 this. But I wonder whether or not defending against Forestieri from the wing is is more difficult because, you know, full has got quite a lot to contend with there with a with a player who can get the ball and come inside because who's going to go with him? It starts creating some space. And at the moment, it doesn't feel like that's happening because they can defend against Forestieri down the middle a, a bit easier than you can defend when he's kind of pulling defenders from one side of the pitch to the other and playing... Uh, strangely like playing less free than he is now. I, I kind of feel like now they can just almost man-mark him out of a game if, um, if if he's kind of playing that bit more down the middle. So I don't know about that. I don't know if it's, uh, have you had any kind of thoughts about, about that the last couple of games when Forestieri's not looked amazing and I know there's fitness things there. There's, there's a lot of other things that are going on and um, and, and, and whatnot. I, I'm not sold about Forestieri down the middle though.
1: I thought he struggled until the goal, and then he improved after that, and he was a nuisance he he does you know he's a pest up there, and he when you a lot of free kicks and I thought he actually came in for some heavy very heavy treatment and uh, how Michael Heckler wasn't sent off for that challenge. Yeah. Uh just after the hour mark, you know, that was a disgraceful tackle. Uh I thought live at the time it looked a so red, but it's actually then only when you watch it back on the replay and you see that uh, yeah, it was it
0: was horrendous. It was awful, wasn't it? It was, it was. so yeah.
1: mistimed, so late and yeah, that could have done some serious damage yeah. to Forestieri. Yeah. You know, he's lucky to have walked away. Uh, And, uh, you know, carried on playing and uh, finished the game and not to have picked up a serious injury. But to answer your question, Forrest Sherry, if you asked him, I think he wants to play in the number 10 position. Uh, But you look over his time at the club, how many times has he delivered in that area? Where has has his joy mainly come from You would arguably say that in Carlos's first season, it was probably coming in from that left-hand side, which was the point that you were just alluding to. And you you try to uh, give him that licence and for him to be that free spirit And he is that flair player. He is that match winner, the guy who can do something out of nothing. Uh, And so you try to give him that confidence and trust. The problem that you have, though, is if you play him... On the left-hand side, and this is, again, what Carlos had, uh, particularly in his second year, was that does Forestieri, if you put him on the left, does he have the discipline to play that role? Does he want to track back? Uh, You'd have to say no, that there will be times where he'll leave the full-back isolated and you'll get the overloads on that side. Uh, So I don't think he's got the positional discipline to play on the left-hand side, which is, again, why I think uh, Bruce has seen that and gone. I, w- I want to try and get get him in the central areas.
0: So that, that you know, he can do damage there. I see the logic with with that. We've we've got this issue with a few players now, haven't we? It's just like where do where do they work the best? And you know, Zhao's one, um you could argue that Reach is one. Um there's a there's a few players, isn't there? You're kind of looking at them and just thinking, How how does this equation really fit together? It'd be so much the, easier if Borgieri did play on the left, as then you've got
1: so many strikers yep. that you could that allows you to get another one in. Oh, fun and, and
0: and it's a we've always struggled on that left hand side when when Forest Area areas are playing there, um because I, I probably unpopular opinion but I'm uh, George Boyd for me we would lose nothing by him not being in the team uh, and I think he had another game on on Saturday I appreciate he's, he's obviously not very well so whether or not there was an element of that going on or not I don't know I've seen George Boyd have far more bad games in a Wednesday shirt than good games um and. Uh, at the moment, it's, it kind of feels like we're playing him there because it's the only option we've got. We've got no other choice to get the balance right. We tried Bannon there. That didn't work. Um, Steve Bruce has set his stall out pretty firmly that he's not going to play Fernando Forestieri there. So what's left? It's John. Boyd. Yeah, but obviously he's he's out of the equation as well at the moment. So
1: mm, Our favourite. This is it. They've the, got such a big squad. You can't fit them all in. Yeah. It's, Im- it's impossible. You've got Sam Winnell and Alman Abdi. He's training. He is fit. He is he's available. alive. He is alive. Perhaps he's alive. He's not the, he's not the new Glenn <laughs> Leuvens. Uh, so, yeah, but you can't get them all into your 18, and this is the the, the problem. And it's not easy trying to keep them happy, number one. And then, uh, number two, if you're Steve Bruce, he's made it clear this week that he's only had four matches, but he's still trying to think of what is style of play, the structure of this team. It's going to take him. A while, um, and maybe two, three, four transfer windows. Yeah, as you said before, to get it
0: right, it, it is, it is, and and we, I quite like the fact that just seems to be some a lot. Uh, well, among the lion's share of the support, there seems to be a bit of patience there, and people that that aren't kind of, you know, losing their um, temper too much and losing their patience too much after three pretty frustrating draws, um, a couple of which were pretty poor games. I mean, Saturday certainly wasn't an amazing game, but it, it had four goals at least, which is a heck of a lot more than the, the two before. Um, yeah, I don't, um, on the subject of Marco Matthias then, because uh, I, I had it in my head that he was injured. Is he just out of favour?
1: Marco, he had an ankle problem uh, a few weeks ago, which he had an injection in, Uh, but now he's training. Uh, Again, he's someone who's not yet had a chance. I found it a little bit surprising that Mateus hasn't actually been at least on the bench, but then of course, Rolando Ahrens has come in, and so he's jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. Hopefully, I know we'll get on to the Swansea game analysing it later, but I'd like to see Aarons, especially in light of, yep. it looks like Boyd is a doubt with illness, I'd like to see Aarons now unleashed from the start. I saw the under-23s game on Tuesday, I was really impressed actually, particularly with Ashraf Lassar, uh, but Aarons took his goal well, and again he looked bright and he just, uh, he, he offered them something different with his pace and it, trickery, and he excite fans as well, Get you know, get you a you know, on the edge of your seat, really, that he can do something that uh, you know again, just uh, off the cuff., and yep. that's what you want to see really yeah,
0: you, you're right. I mean we'll we'll talk a bit more about um kind of what we expect from. Uh, changes for the Swansea game, but it's it's a real good opportunity this for Steve Bruce, isn't it? To just go right, okay. I've I've kind of I've stuck with that what you would class as being the natural starting eleven with a couple of variations on it for for three games. You guys aren't doing the business, so let's ring some changes now and let's try something different. But we'll come on to that in a bit. A um, couple of things left on my list to talk about both very much related and you could probably guess what they are firstly the referee uh who i thought was absolutely flipping terrible um lost control of that game very early on did nothing to get it back and i, I said about halfway through the second half so someone's going to get end, end up getting sent off in this game and it's probably not going to be for the correct reasons uh i just thought that referee was just flipping rubbish which brings us to um fernando forestieri This is going to divide a lot of opinion. Um, So, I mean, you know, the referee actually... I think, in terms of the laws of the game, was probably right. I think mm-hmm. that um, Fernando Forestieri celebrated with two separate sets of fans, and you were there. I don't know if you saw it, but I, I saw this because the fact that it was one of them was right in front of me, and then the other was the other side of the goal where he celebrated with a second set of fans. I don't think he ever got into the crowd. Certainly didn't see that. Um, I know the TV cameras didn't see it, and, and, and whether or not you know in the press box, you probably got other things that you're doing at the time, but. Um, I think if if, if the offence by the wording of the rules of the game is over-celebration, then Fernando Forestieri was probably guilty of it.
1: He wasn't the only one. Uh, and I think that's where the controversy is that if you're going to book him, why aren't you doing that to Wednesday's other players? All the substitutes who also joined in, I think there were some staff members in the corner too.
0: Probably, but the difference being that Fernando Forosier had already celebrated with some fans. And it was just him that celebrated with the fans to, as you're looking at the goal, to the left-hand side of the goal and then join the rest of the players on the right-hand side of the goal and celebrated with them. And that, I think, is what he's classed as being over-celebration because he's kind of celebrated the goal twice.
1: I, I just think it's a bit ridiculous that... In why do we go to watch football we want to get entertained yep. for that drama and again the excitement yep. and the passion and uh, why shouldn't a player be able to celebrate a last minute equaliser or go in the 10th uh, minute of added on time and well that. And that's another talking point, of course, as well. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, just for me, that I, it, it's not the only incident as well. I think we had Scott Brown and Celtic again. There was a yeah, book yeah, in yeah, there yeah. for again over celebrating. And so I understand that the referee is applying the laws of the game. Yes, okay. And a fan had invaded a pitch, and you know you can see the footage of where. Um, for share sort of attempted to high-five him yeah. Uh, but yeah why, I mean why, it was very difficult to actually see for me personally, yeah. what
0: happened uh, it, uh, it, it whereas was, you, you sound
1: yeah. like you had pretty much the perfect view it was a view. decent view of it, it the strange thing view.
0: was fans just appeared from everywhere I'm sure there were, there, I mean, there were definitely quite a few Wednesday there fans there were bodies the appearing end. everywhere yeah. uh, but Ooh. the people that kind of invaded the pitch seemed to come from the Rotherham end it was all very very um, strange um, incidentally that was me being entirely diplomatic I'm now going to tell you what I really think because oh really? The, oh. the laws of the game is one thing. Um I Right, okay. The two key words here are just and they're just so simple, common sense. Yeah. Right. Did he really need to send Fernando Forestieri off? Right? Well, he might have over celebrated or not. It doesn't matter. Like when when, when they took when Rotherham took the centre, he blew the whistle after one touch. Like the game was done. It was over. It wasn't we didn't delay anything anymore that had already been delayed. It was just it was ridiculous so in in the eyes of the law yes it's a yellow card or or you can argue that it's a yellow card right but how many times do you see a player make a tackle in the first 5 minutes of a game that would normally be oh that's a bit but the referee's kind of like it's early in the game the ref doesn't want to spoil the game so he gives them a talking to and he lets them off how many times do you see a player that's on a yellow card make a challenge that would normally be a yellow card. But because they're already on a yellow, the ref doesn't want to spoil the game. They use common sense and they give that player a final talking to. And sometimes they get two final talking to's. Um, You know, it doesn't always um, apply that if you've done something and you're on a yellow card and it should be a second yellow, that you get that second yellow because you've got referees that apply common sense. And that for me is what happened here that that referee did not apply any common sense. And and if that is the way that football ends up going, it will ruin the game. If people can't use common sense and referees are of you know the majority of them actually have a brain, they should be able to do this stuff, they should be able to apply common sense. So um uh, my conclusion I reckon that referee should be fined a week's wage for being an idiot. Rant over? Rant over, yeah. <laughs> Um, there were two shocking
1: decisions. He got the two big ones wrong for me, which yeah. was that Hequa should have gone uh, and Tony be a, a booked was just appalling. And then for Forestieri to, to give him a, a booking for that, I, I, I hear what you say. And the argument is that Forestieri has brought that on himself by celebrating by himself. But come on. Come on! It's the and, last and, and minute. It, it was literally the last kick.
0: Yeah, it was just uh, there was n- absolutely no need for that. It was just, it was just stupid.
1: And it was interesting, Keith Hackett. He was again thought very much that he got it. You know, the, the refs got it wrong,
0: and that's yeah. come from Keith
1: Hackett, who's yeah. you know, vastly experienced and knowledgeable. And and so for him to say that, I think that says it
0: all. Uh, right, enough of us two for a bit. Let's hear a bit from Steve Roos. In a bit, we're going to hear about his views on Swansea and a bit about what he's looking for over this uh, this little run of games that we've got coming up. Uh, but first, a quick bit about his thoughts on the draw at Rotherham. Hey, listen, well, I think
2: we nicked a point last week. and As I said, I'm not going to try and pull the wool over anybody's eyes, but if we play like that tomorrow, we won't get anything because um, they're a good side, Swansea. So, yes, we have to eradicate the mistakes. I've been, I've been... Pleased with the performance. I've been pleased with everybody concerned at the club, not just the players. You know, as I said, I've only been here three weeks. You know, so you know, you know, give me three months, three years, and then obviously, then hopefully, hopefully things will improve.
3: You've got three home games in a row in very quick succession. Yeah. The club's only got five home wins out of 15 so far. Is it it time to try and give those home wins? Well,
2: well, there there lies the problem. You know, we haven't we haven't won enough at home, have we? Um so um it gives us a it gives us a wonderful opportunity. I have to say, you know, Swansea are a very good football side, Brentford are a very good football side and we know we know our neighbours are doing very well at the moment. So as I've seen in the championship, you know, it is always difficult. Let's see how we play and how we approach it and um hopefully we'll come out on top.
3: You view on Swansea, they they've been a little inconsistent but comfortably in mid table.
2: Yeah. Well, on the day, they're a match for anybody. Um, but you're, you're right, in what you're saying in that inconsistency is what the championship is about. You know, they go up and down so quickly. You know, you can go and look at a team one week and think, oh, they're a good team, and see them two weeks later. And I think that's why the championship is the way it is. Um, but certainly, of what I've just watched over this week, um, had a wonderful victory in the FA Cup. Um, they're very, very decent if you let them play. They're a football team who won be totally different to what we've just witnessed in the last two games. These next two in particular are two very, very good football teams mm. who've played the same sort of way really for years. Um, so we'll have to be at our best to beat them.
3: Wayne Routledge and Nathan Dale look like they're back available for them. they will obviously provide some good attacking options. For but... Well, they've been
2: good players. I give Wayne Routledge's debut as a 16-year-old at Crystal Palace years ago. Um, and I, I've always watched him from afar now to see how he gets on. But um, yeah, I mean, if if the two are available, then that can only be a bonus for them because they've been very good players for Swansea over the years. The two. Of them.
3: How, how difficult is it for a side readjusting when you come down from the Premier League back into what is a busy, and hectic championship? <coughs>
2: well, what you can you can only look from afar, and it's very, very difficult to speak from afar because you don't know. But there's been big. There's been big changes. Managers, head coaches, whatever you want to do, boardroom level, changes in the ownership. Once there's changes and that little filters through with everybody, then it becomes, um, and of course, you know, it's very difficult for any team to come out of the Premier League, even if you've been there for years like Swansea have, and to adapt because inevitably you have to lose some of your players. Inevitably some people don't want to play in the Championship, you have all of them problems and unless you face the Championship head on and, and get ready for it then it, it finds you out and I think Swansea have witnessed that, you know how many times we've seen it where you expect a team to, oh they'll be okay, they'll bounce back, they don't and um, and I think that as I said keep saying that is the beauty and the magic of the of the Championship.
3: What do, you, what do you make of the sort of parachute payments and the fact that the team's coming down has created such a divide really in, in, the, in the finances of, of teams well I that think that's the, the
2: frustration it's the frustration for for a club like ours Birmingham Derby who are without parachute payments and the owners of the clubs and, the, and, 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 and want to invest and basically um, your hands are tied behind your back to a degree unless you have parachute payments you know I have to say parachute payments don't, doesn't guarantee a, a place back but it certainly helps and of course it helps with financial fair play which I'm su- so supporters now I'm sick to the back teeth of hearing about it but it is part of life and it's a reality of the championship without, without parachute payments then it's very very difficult for, for all of us and there's a lot of clubs in the same boat as what we are and of course, in a couple of years, Swansea, and to be without your parachute payments is a big, 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 big loss.
3: Graham Potter has obviously taken a bit of a, a different route into management. Mm-hmm. What, what have you made of him and how much do you know about him and his story? And his background?
2: Well, of course, we know, we know how well he did abroad. We know how well he did and he shot the prominence then by taking this small club right way through divisions and, and playing in Europe. So it's great that a Brit can go and do it abroad and uh, we don't see it very often congratulations to him he's gone down a different route and uh, been given an opportunity now at Swansea and certainly when you see his teams play they play in a certain way and as I said if we're not at our best tomorrow then we'll come unstuck but I've got the biggest admiration for people who've come up the different way you know he probably thought well am I going to get a a route through and gone down a different route and went went to Norway and did very very
3: well do you think there's a club Swansea trying to get a bit of identity back because they seem to be? Well, they've more always than...
2: played in a certain way, haven't they? For for years now, going back, going back years, you know, going back even past Roberto Martinez, they've always played a certain way. And uh, of course, when you don't get the results, then things sort of change, and a different manager comes in, and the philosophy changes. And there's you know Hugh Jenkins who's been huge in the in the in the way they've the the way they've. Gone on over the last 10 years. He's gone, and, and all of a sudden, you know, their identity uh, may be slightly changed. But certainly, the way they play, the way they're playing today, is typical of the Swansea team that played a few years ago in a similar sort of fashion. Steve,
1: um, how important is it if you get a positive result tomorrow that you stop Daniel James? And very good yeah, they're a good
2: player. <laughs> Daniel James, i watched, we lost him at the Swansea when I was at Hull. They're going and nicked him off us. Yeah, they've been in the academy for years and they paid something like 60 grand for them um, because of them stupid rules. But um, he's a good player, the kids are a good player. They've got good players. It's as simple as that, they've got good players. And um, if if we're gonna win, we're gonna have to defend well. We can't have the mistakes that we had last week otherwise these will punish us. We nearly got punished last week through our own mistakes really. So it's vitally important that we're concentrated. and. Uh, and we'd be rock solid like we were the previous few weeks.
1: What is it that you're wanting to see from these three home games that you've got? Well it'd be
2: nice to have a return of points, of course it would, you know, and um but it gives us a wonderful opportunity, you know, We've got three games in a week, you know, accumulating in and the big one that everybody's looking forward to. Um so it's a start and it's a chance yeah. and can we you know, can we get a <coughs> couple of positive results before we, we take on our neighbours and uh that's what we're looking to try and do if we can.
1: And how impressed were you with Ashraf and Dominic and Orlando on Tuesday? Uh,
2: well, you can see they're going to give us something different, which is why I brought them in. Um, you know, two of them are can play in the under-23s, which is great. You know, uh, big Dominic is uh, is giving me glimpses of what I've seen when I fir- when he first burst into the scene a, a few years ago. Um, so they've all got something to offer. Um, a big thing I've just got to weigh up is are they ready? They ha- all haven't played a lot of football. To put three of them in might be a bit risky, but they'll all have the part to play certainly over the next two months. What we've got left.
1: Is Rolando, is he close? You think to start? So you giving him the most chances out so I think
2: Rolando, being the type he is, fitness-wise, it was more easy for him. I didn't think for and Dominic. Well, Dominic's just a machine. You know, it's, I mean. It wouldn't matter to him if he hadn't played for four or five months, but uh, the, the 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 defenders have played very very well, so I think he's, and it's given time to just settle in, and certainly uh, Lazar has been the one where you know his fitness levels, where he's just been not being trained or played or for, for so long, it's like like having an injured player if you like, you know, it, he's um, but you done very well, you can see what he gives us on the 23s the other day, he's got a lovely left foot, got a wonderful delivery, um, great striker of the ball, set pieces, he's a threat, so all of them are coming into my mind at the moment, um, let's hope I pick the right ones.
1: <laughs> what are your thoughts on how Mark and Mateus and Alan Abdi, are they doing at the Yeah, place?
2: well i you know, the the most difficult thing for me of course is you know, we have, when everybody's fit here, we've got a very, very large playing squad and I can only pick 11. Is that the toughest part
1: of your job though, trying to keep everybody
2: happy? Well, you can't. All you can do is be respectful, you hope you can gain their respect. If I didn't play on a Saturday, I was the most miserable, horrible individual, you know, that that could be, because you train all week to play on a Saturday. And I know lot's changed now, the squad rotation and all the rest of it, but Still, you gear up to play on a Saturday afternoon, and if you're not upset or disappointed, then you you know you shouldn't be. But as I said, the biggest problem I've got is, if we've got so many fit, and when we're all fit, then we have got a big squad to choose from.
0: So, um, Steve Bruce, how 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 did he seem this morning? Relaxed, yeah. yeah. He seemed
1: that you know that uh, I think he just about got over that frustration with the performance. Uh, against Rotherham and he's looking for a big improvement over these next three home games and he was sort of really reiterating that this is an opportunity that you know, Wednesday's home for. I, I actually hadn't realised that uh, it, it's not good. Five wins out of 15. That's rubbish, isn't it? they only lost four but just too many draws. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that West Brom game, you, know, you can't forget about one. Yeah. And there have been other examples, Leeds at home, where they've let slip a lead. Uh, Or in certain home games, they've just given themselves too much to do. So it'd be nice to see now uh, them, them do all right and maybe pick up six, seven points in the next three home games. And if they play to their potential, there's no reason why they can't do that.
0: Yeah, it's kind of scary because when we talk about the three home games, there's a certain game in there which is uh, one where the rules mm. don't apply. But um, we'll um, we'll talk more about that um, at some point in the future. Um, yeah, I th- I kind of find it, I find it interesting how Steve Bruce is talking about time so much, which is, is, is quite right to do that. Um, but kind of talking about you know don't judge me off off you know four games, judge me after four months, judge me after four transfer windows, judge me after whatever. Um, and and I, I like that. I like the fact that he's. He's he's really trying to get across just what a long term project it is. I wonder whether or not the reality of just how long a term a project mm. it is is starting to kick in a little bit now with Steve Bruce. Maybe I don't know if he if he knew just quite how much work needed to um to be done when he when he did take the job and when he first arrived. I think he knew, but it's
1: only actually when you are physically in the building in it, and then yeah. you're working with the resources that you've got at your disposal, that then I think it suddenly kicks in. Yep. Uh, and, of course, the profitability and sustainability uh, factor, uh, you throw that into the mix and one or two other bits. And I think that, yeah, you know, you, that's why I think he's constantly banging that drum about patience and yep. time and that uh, you've got to give him. It, w- it won't just be magically fixed in the summer uh, when there's a clear out and when the out-of-contract players, a lot of them, you would imagine, they're let go. Uh, and then he has to rebuild the squad. It's going to take a, a lot longer than that. I, I, I know we're going to go into Swansea more in depth, but I didn't realise until earlier that I was looking at the uh, uh, at the stats that uh, Swansea, since being relegated from the Premier League, they've let go of 18 senior players. Wow. that I, I, That's that is incredible, but uh, you know that yeah. is a, a that's a big turnaround, and you're almost looking at that sort of turnover yeah. at Hillsborough this Sim- summer.
0: Similar situations, aren't they, in terms mm. of the two, the two clubs and where they're at, and kind of a bit of a new beginning and going down a different route. I mean, spots, and they've got
1: parachute payments too. Yeah. Like, let's not forget that. So yeah, and they've got another year of those. Uh, so they're not short sure of a bob or two. But with uh, their manager, it just seems that they've gone down the process of uh, we want to. Bring through the youngsters and they've got a lot of talented um kids yeah, that they've they brought have. through this year. They should still be doing better than what they are. Yeah. But uh yeah I mean they they're dangerous on the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we we saw that didn't we the the game at their place that um you know when when Swansea turn it on they can cut through any de- defense and um I, I guess you saw the highlights of them against Brentford, uh, which was a similar sort of thing. You know, they can just waltz through, um, and some very quick players in that in that team. Um, right then, so from a Wednesday point of view, um, no Jordan Thornley. Any update on Tom Lee's?
1: Tom Lee's, yeah, he's okay, uh, okay. so he, he's available. So you would imagine okay. that Tom Lee's straight swap for Jordan Thornley. Uh, I, I think that Bruce will be wanting a reaction, and and having been so disappointed at the showing against Rotherham that I think there could be four possibly five changes Okay, I would, I, so that's one uh, and then Forestieri is another enforced so Stephen Fletcher maybe comes in to start with Lucas Schwell up front, um, and then hopefully, as I said earlier, Rolando Aarons will make his first start instead yeah. of maybe George Boyd if George Boyd misses out through illness.
0: I think it's a good opportunity to make a few changes and I don't think we necessarily lose anything by by doing that. You look at the way the league table has unfolded and you kind of think, I don't think there's any need to be looking over our shoulders. We can experiment a bit and, and Steve Bruce needs to do this because the, the players that he's been putting faith in so far, I, I just I don't see any evidence that that's going to just suddenly fall into place. I think it needs a bit of a bit of a shake up and a bit yeah, of a freshen things up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: And I've
1: hinted as well, actually, for the first time today, that I think that we might maybe see some of the academy players between now and the end of the season. We might see one or two youngsters that get brought into okay. into uh, the first team. So that that that'd be good. You know, that's of course the legacy. The the only real positive of the Luke Lucai era yeah. is that he did try to promote youth and so i think that it's i think it's at least a positive that we might see hopefully Okay. I don't know, an Alex Hunt or a few others. from. Well, like.
0: I was going to ask actually that you mentioned obviously the senior players that look pretty good in the under-23s game. Is there anyone whose name we're maybe not that familiar with or have, have heard uh, but not for a while that, that stood out as well?
1: Well the one that I've seen him a few times and not just because of his goal and assist but I thought Connor Grant uh, playing in the number 10 attacking midfield role. Uh, the other night was was excellent, uh, and it, it was it was good for him to you know show what he's about in front of a you know as bigger crowd as he would have been involved in up yep. to now. There you was know, probably you know, probably close to a thousand people uh, at Bramble Lane the other night, and so he's only seventeen, but again he's already you know, he's filled out, he's tall, you know mm-hmm. six foot two, six foot three, and uh, yeah, and I know the academy they've got real high hopes for him. You know they signed him a couple of years ago uh, for, you know, from. Uh, I think uh, Shamrock, Shamrock Rovers it was in Ireland and you know, a Republic of Ireland under seventeen international and so yeah I think he he's got a lot of uh, yeah a lot of potential so I think that uh, maybe not this season but I think over the next sort of uh, six months to twelve months yeah we might see uh, might see him okay. g- gradually step up into the first team.
0: What about um, a name that a lot of fans are probably be asking about, particularly with? under Forestieri being out, um, Sam Winnall. And, and uh, Steve Bruce said much about him and what role he's got to play. I'm guessing there are still kind of fitness issues that he's not at full strength, but he just doesn't seem to be kind of appearing much anywhere at the moment.
1: Yeah, Steve Bruce uh, said that uh, that Sam Winnall, he's not ready. Right. Yeah, and he just made that very clear today that um, you know, Steve Bruce was there, on Tuesday night at Bramall Lane for the under-23 match and Sam Winnell played the full game and uh, and I personally thought that yeah, Winnell's, the match sharpness is not there he needs more games there is a good opportunity next week I think there's two under-23 matches so I would expect that Sam Winnell will play in both
0: of those but uh, I would not imagine that he's going to be in the squad for tomorrow the next thing that I've got written down on my phone, this is the absolute God's honest truth. It was, so Dom, you've been around the ground this week. Is Alman Abdi still alive? Genu- genuinely, is Alman Abdi still alive? We've answered that one. Uh, <laughs> he is, allegedly. Um, right, so we've talked a bit about Swansea and kind of what to expect. Not going to be an easy game. I think the whole of football seems to have a lot of time for their manager. It seems to be a guy that is very well respected among um. Uh, football fans, probably the majority of them, don't really, really know what he's done in the past. It just seems to be the thing to do to kind of have, you know, a lot of respect and a lot of time for um, for Graham Potter um what what we will normally do at this point when we've been talking about an upcoming game for wednesday is both kind of just discuss a little bit about our memories of previous games with them which is an issue with swansea because i've got nothing <laughs> because <laughs> we've uh we didn't play them for about 10 years uh and there aren't very memorable games kind of in the the recent or the, the kind of the past before that um recently it was the fa cup games last year which were both very forgettable and then the game at their place earlier this season which was also very forgettable so well um, it was
1: memorable afterwards of course for the uh oh, expletive.
0: Of course it was the rant game wasn't it yeah yes and your slu kai in
1: his last match in charge yeah walking out on a uh, right. on a bbc radio sheffield uh, interview uh, and uh, yeah and, and also he um, was very critical of josh Onomer. Uh, if, if I remember correctly, yeah, too. When, random, when after, it? Uh, I think it was just a sign of the time the pressure had just reached breaking point. Oh, he must have known uh, that he was off after that. Uh, wow. Well, must uh, have done. Yeah. I, I mean the the pressure was building. I mean that was a third game in a row where the the fans were chanting for him to be, you know, to go um, and yeah. to be sacked. So uh, yeah, no manager can survive that. Nah. It's, it's impossible.
0: It, the irony of the Yossluhukai era being that the time that we saw the most amount of passion from him was actually probably the last thing that he did as Sheffield Wednesday manager. That rant in that interview was the most animated that I think that I've seen him and the first time that you've seen him do anything that was particularly decisive but uh God, it feels like such an age I know it does doesn't it it really does so much has happened and changed since then Uh beyond that from Swansea I've got I've got I've, I have no other real memories uh, no
1: all oh, I really remember is it being freezing cold for that FA Cup time always freezing it, cold in oh, oh, a Tuesday night and oh it was, it was on the BBC that and it was just oh shocking that was a shocking display as well yeah, from was. Wednesday. Just, yeah, it, it just went out with an absolute whimper, but it was just oh, no, it was a horrible night. It was.
0: Uh, right, we're going to hear from Adam Reach now. So in a bit, you will hear him talking uh, about it being the end of an era with players who are approaching the end of their contract at the end of this season. Uh, first, though, just what does he think is his best position?
4: It's uh, a, a tough question because... Um, To really find your best position, I feel you've got to play somewhere week in, week out for probably a season or even more and that's for me, hasn't happened for now, probably throughout my whole Wednesday career, I've never played in one position for maybe longer than six games in a row or something like that. Um, But I'm always under the impression that um, I'll play wherever the manager wants me to play as long as I'm in the team. and I'll continue to do that whether it's uh, out wide on the right or the left or through the middle, whatever that may be. Um, I still need to keep my performances high and and try and score goals and and create goals. So for me, I don't think you have to have a best position. Um, You see some of the top players in the world. Um, In the Premier League, James Milner, I always look at him. does he have a best position now? I don't think he does, because he plays everywhere. He plays right back, centre midfield, and he's nine times out of ten the best player on the field. So um, I don't think it matters if you don't play in your preferred position as long as you play. Um, you know, It's down to you to keep your performance high.
3: Can that, though, hinder your consistency if if you're not playing in the same position week in, week out?
4: Yeah, it, it can do, but um, my mindset is that it doesn't quite matter where you play. Listen, you, you'll play in different positions. You might bring something different to the team. Uh, you know, you play a striker up front. He, he's bound to get you goals. If you play him out wide, he's gonna. He might create goals. He might not get as many chances to score, but he can still make an impact on the team. So, um, but like I said, anywhere across that midfield, I'd like to think I can be a danger to the opposition and, and create goals and score goals myself. And. Um, if I do play on Saturday, wherever that may be, I'm going to try and do that.
3: You're the only ever present in the team this season. What, what's you, honestly, been in a good position then to see what what the team's done well and not. What, what would you say looking at the sort of strengths and weaknesses this year?
4: Uh, well, defensively, it's, it, that's been our issue throughout the full season. Um, the previous couple of seasons we've been here with. I think match the record for clean sheets and that's what we built ourselves on and and this season we've went away from that Um, and those things happen and if you don't keep clean sheets then it's very difficult to keep winning games because you've got to score two or three every every game Um, it looks like we've shewed that up now so i think from now to the end of the season you'll really see a a more solid wednesday and a team who can attack now with the, the the trust and the confidence that we we're strong at the back and we won't concede and um, but then again I think goal scoring has also been an issue as well um, we just haven't quite got it right in both ends of the pitch and they're the most important areas um, but I think we'll look now from now till the end of the season spot on a really good run to get as many points as we can and you never know where that will take because there's still a lot of games left and there's, this is the time where teams will start getting nervous who have been in those playoff positions all season and and um, We've got nothing to lose now, so like I said, we'll we'll try and accumulate as much as we can and see where that gets us. I
3: believe you've got a couple of years left on your contract, if that's right. Um, so under Steve Bruce, early days. But but can you see something here that has the potential for getting the club back challenging in the top six? Definitely.
4: I think if you want to if you want to manage it to get your club out of this division, then I can't imagine there's many more with better. Resume than than Steve Bruce, and now that he's here, he's already outlined his plans, and he's firmly um, with the goal of getting out of this league at some point. You know, maybe this season, of course, coming in in February, there's there may be a little bit too much to do, but um, it's going to be a a a funny, you know, close season. There's a lot of players out of contract. Um, It's like we've come to an end of an era with a certain squad of players and, and it's now up to the gaffer in the club to decide who he wants to keep and who he wants to build his team around and for me I've still got two years left I believe so um, you know my goal when I signed here was to, to get to the Premier League with this club and I've still got as it stands two years left to do that and I'm I'm pretty confident we can still do that.
0: You know whenever I um, hear Adam Reach speak you kind of think there's a he seems to have got a real good brain on him. Yeah. He, he speaks really, really well. Um, I, I kind of argued a couple of times back end of last season that, uh, and actually beginning of this season, that we we kind of lack a bit in terms of a leader on the pitch. And Tom Lees has that captain's role. I'm not convinced that he's like quite the right sort of person for it. Adam reached to me just screams leader everything about him. The way that he speaks just seems so calm, composed, and he just seems to get it. He's had the captain's armband as well before I yeah, he? Has, he on, yeah.
1: um you know a couple of times last season maybe even this year but uh yeah I I just think he's grown each and every year that he's been at Wednesday developed as a person and as a player uh, and yeah I think he's actually thriving and wanting to take uh, you know more leadership on uh, in in every sort of facet of you know of the way he goes about his business uh, yeah. and and at the club and I think yeah why like you say I, I he's great to uh, actually, interview Adam. He's one of my favourite uh, people in Wednesday Squad, uh, just because he, he's very articulate and yeah. honest, uh, and he just speaks a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't give you the sort of cliched, boring answers, and, uh, and you can tell he's a deep thinker, and that you know he's a proper sort of. Student almost of the game, uh, and that uh, also I just like the fact that he's just fiercely ambitious. That yeah. you know he is he's determined to play in the Premier League one day. And as he said, I mean ideally he wants to do it with Wednesday, uh, and he's got another couple of years left on his contract, and it, it, it's going to take a big turnaround, but it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible if Wednesday start getting things in motion and. Yeah, it
0: was absolutely not impossible. Um, Did you, um, I mean, I've only heard the audio, I've not kind of seen any kind of video footage of that, when he's kind of talking about two years left on his contract and he wants to get to the Premier League with Wednesday. Did did that come across as being convincing? Or or did you get any kind of feeling of, here's a guy that's probably going to be, you know, looking to be on his way out in the summer?
1: No, I think he sees himself as a big part of Steve Bruce's plans and he's happy here uh, at Wednesday and that, you know, he's been here now for a couple of years. And... uh, it was interesting, actually, that he analyses his game more than other players too. You know, so he, without me, or sometimes as a journo you'll have to, or you might put something out there and and or uh, give them a nudge in, in the direction of, say, perhaps your line of question or what you want to get out of them. But right, he already knows, you know, that he's an ever-present this year. He knows that he, he scored seven goals, he made five yeah. assists, and. and he, you know, he's not a stats man, but the, the fact that he knows like he, you know, how he's been performing and still that you know, he's talking about constantly, I want to improve and I want to get better, and I still think there's room for improvement. And I think that's when you know that you've got a top player on your hands and that he wants to you know, fulfil his potential and make the best of what he's got
0: it's so true that because I think you know the, a good footballer is so much more than just having good feet you know the brain comes into it so so much and someone that seems to be really on the ball um, and and just have you know the right kind of outlook on stuff is so kind of refreshing and and just makes you think what a you know what a, a real kind of key um, Player we've got there, and how lucky we are to have someone that you know, that, that could genuinely, assuming that he's still here, um, he's one of those players that you would think we've got to rebuild this squad around someone like um, like Adam Reach. Uh, right, let's talk about Tuesday night then. Uh, Brentford should have been Saturday a few weeks ago, but obviously that ended up being the um, the Chelsea game, and uh, they were in the cup as well, weren't they? Against I can't remember is it Barnet that they played in the cup, but anyway, um, so it's. Um, Ends up being a Tuesday night game. Pretty quick turnaround from the uh, from the, the Swansea game. And uh, a real mixed season for Brentford. Odd team this, this year, haven't they? Because started well under Dean Smith. Then obviously he left and, and things seemed to kind of take a bit of a dive and there was a time that they were kind of around sort of what I call the Wednesday end of the table, which was a team that never seemed to be particularly threatened by dropping into that kind of bottom three. But results week after week after week just seemed really, really poor. They seem to have kind of turned it around now. I can't, for the life of me, remember the name of the manager. Um, and I do know the name of the manager, I just can't, I can't, I can't remember it. But anyway, Thomas Frank. that's the guy. Um, it seems to be falling into place a little bit better now for him. Well,
1: it, it is. They're still in that sort of bottom half yeah. uh, and in and around the similar position to what Wednesday and uh, Swansea are. And uh, it's incredible to think that the third game, Game of the league season I, I thought that it was one of the best performances I've seen against Wednesday When they won 2-0 at their place They yeah. absolutely played Wednesday off the park And could have won by 4 or 5 uh, And they should have done that and, the, and in fact I think it was only down to Cameron Dawson really yeah. that, uh, that Wednesday didn't lose by uh, a greater margin, but again, they're another team who've got good individual players, especially uh, you know in the attacking positions. And so, if uh, Wednesday take them lightly, there's uh, you know Brentford are a classic example, another team of uh, you know who could turn them over. So uh, it's not going to be easy by any means uh, the next two matches for Wednesday. But uh, for me, they've got
0: to be targeting. Four points, at least for me. I agree. I agree. Um, if we struggle for memories of games against Swansea, then Brentford must be the opposite end of the scale because I can't remember us ever really having a boring game against Brentford. I vaguely remember a nil nil at Hillsborough a few years back and then uh, a game when they were, uh, end of the season game, when they were kind of in the playoff positions and was that the Stuart Gray season, we ended up winning 1 nil um yes but beyond that most games against Brentford seem to be quite eventful uh my overriding memory of playing Brentford is um the Zhao injury time winner at their place a couple of years back I say a couple of years back it's more than that now is now um thinking about it being um, more recent than it is um and everything just going crazy in the away end and I remember that game for a few reasons. It was a beautiful sunny day, gorgeous day down in um, London. But it was the day that the Carlos had a dream song kind of came yeah, into it, it came into being. Um, and I remember, I think it was probably the only time that I've known Wednesday fans sing for the entirety of half time. Um, and it, I think, it went on for pretty much the majority of the second half as well. And that was kind of the point where you just think, oh, this season could end up being something a bit, a bit special. Um, and I think that was the first game where I really kind of felt that this is, you know, we, we're onto something, um, onto something here. So that was, that was a real key memory. Um, anything from you about Brentford? Have, have years gone past? Not particularly, I have to say. I don't love the
1: trips to Brentford. uh, No way! No, from a a working standpoint, as they have one of the tightest uh, Uh, press boxes in the country. uh, And so once you're in, uh, yeah, there's no movement around. And so um, I won't be disappointed when they do eventually... Yeah, leave Griffin Park, and when they move into the new ground in a couple of years' time. Yeah, I think uh, it's one more season at Griffin it is, Park. Yeah, I isn't think it's it? next year, which and, is great uh,
0: for me because yeah. I absolutely love it. What are you what oh, it was next year? Aw- no, I an away fan. It's
1: brilliant. Forget, I, forget I the, the press box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come in the away with us. you'll have I'm a right. I'm going to have to. I'm <laughs> going to have to next year. That uh, last chance, isn't it? Got it. Um, yeah, Most um, of it.
0: So yeah, that is um, that's Brentford then on uh, Tuesday, and that's going to bring us to Alpinions. So this is every week where we're going to ask for your views on something Sheffield Wednesday. So it could be anything, really. It could be something that's kind of a current issue. It could be something that's in the past. It could be something that's completely random. And um, thought that we'd start with a nice easy one just to kind of get things going. So uh, this week's Alpinion's best striker that you've seen in a Wednesday shirt. Uh, the rules are you have to have seen this player playing in a Wednesday shirt for him to count. Uh, I've got to say David Hurst. I speaks just, for itself, doesn't it, really? I, I can't I can't, you know, just an amazing an amazing player, um, just superb. And um yeah, I mean the the rando words are there to, to sum up a, a player of Hurst's quality. Uh what would you say? Uh, well
1: Paulo Decaneo, yeah. so was a bit tasty as he well. For, um but I, no, I'm inclined to Agree with you, really, that I think David Hurst, just his goal scoring record for Wednesday was astonishing, really. Yeah, and he just. you know, you, you watch some of the old footage back, and it's just, uh, oh, he's such a good player. Just that, you know, the left foot, uh, dis- you know, quicker than you you know you, you thought as well. Just, uh, you know, he had a lot, you know, power, bit of,
0: again, bit of pace. Yeah, just top draw. Absolutely top draw. Absolutely. So, joining the conversation with the hashtag Alpinions, uh, we'll give you our. Twitter details in uh, a minute. We'll be using some of the best in next week's show and then obviously next week, next Friday, we set a new Alpinions for your input for the uh, following week. So that is just about it. Thank you for joining us. Um, you can catch Dom on Twitter, at Domhausen. Correct. I'm on Twitter, at James Marriott. We're very imaginative with our Twitter I know we names, really are we, with we? our yeah. handles. Um, so for the show, what we thought we'd do is come up with something really imaginative. So it's at Dom and James <laughs> on <laughs> On Twitter, I mean, the imagination knows no no bounds, does it? Uh, right now, this is the important bit, right? Please subscribe um, to the show in order to get us in your podcast app of choice. Uh, you get the new episode every Friday of Singing the Blues. Up the owls, and we'll see you next Friday.